Welcome to the Think Podcast. Can you hear the music? Oh, I got it. I got it. it. My name is Joel. Now I'm Pastor Ray. Oh, I forgot my cue. Sorry there, Joel. I'm Pastor Ray. Pastor Rafe suffering from amnesia today, and uh, we are, uh, man, we're we're getting into it today, brother. Um, I think we do every week, Joel. Do <laughs> <laughs> every Wednesday, I wake up and say an extra prayer. Oh, dude, it was it was bound to be trouble when the two of us uh, decided to link up and do this thing, man. So um, we we on the Think Podcast on any episode of the Think Podcast, we want to tackle impossible questions that we want to do so in a, a, a way that is biblical that will help you explain share and defend the christian message and our topic today is no different our conversation today is is the same thing we want to do it in a we want to have it in a biblical way in a way that will enable you if you're a believer to think biblically and live biblically in the world we also want to provide resources for you to share with your friends, whether they are Christian or non-Christian. And what we want to do is we want to exalt and lift up Jesus Christ and show that at the heart of every impossible question, the answer ultimately revolves around Jesus Christ, the gospel of Jesus Christ. He is what the, the, the Bible is all about. He's the centerpiece of history and when he comes back, it's going to be the culmination of history. So we, as Christians, we better make sure that our answers are Christ-centered. And you know what? If you're watching today or, or if you're listening later on or if you're catching the, um, the this episode later on, we want you to know if you're not a Christian, this is for you as well. This isn't just for Christians. We want you to see how does the how do Christians answer questions, deep questions, like questions like racism, um, how do Christians handle that from within their worldview, from within the resources they have. So, um, Rafe, would you agree with that? Is that what we're trying to do today? That's what we're trying to do every moment of our whole life, Joel, you and I. We want people to think from the Bible up, from the Bible out, and, yeah. and help them understand that the world that we live in, the only way to actually get to the truth and to the real meaning of things that take place is when we interpret the world through the lens of Scripture. Amen. I used to have a guy, Joel, a guy who discipled me back in college, uh, good. I still love this man. Just an amazing guy. Uh, but he used to he used to hold his Bible in front of his eyes like this, and he used to go, "Rafe, I see everything through the pages of Scripture." And he'd go like this. He'd go. He turn each way. He go. All I can see is the is the is the words of Scripture shaping what I do. Love it. I think that's what we're trying to accomplish is to say, "Hey, look, let's look at the world and find meaning of the events and the things that are taking place, and the meaning the Bible assigns to it, and interpret it appropriately from there." That's good, man. How's your family doing right now with all the stuff going on? It's it's heavy. I think uh, anyone anyone who's paying attention, it's a heavy week. Um, uh, it's a heavy week on a lot of levels. Just as a as a family that is just in the city and and loves people and uh, loves our church and loves the city and uh, it's just emotionally heavy. It's draining. I feel like since uh, over the last week, I just feel like there's a, a level of exhaustion. Uh, just emotionally engaging with everything that's taking place in our country right now with the death of George Floyd uh, and with kind of the fire that that's, that spark kind of set off. Um, and then at the same time, Joel, you know I've got, uh, and this doesn't make it any more or less. I mean, everyone feels this equally as, as brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, when one suffers, we all kind of suffer together. Um, and yet, I, you know, the, these things, these uh, racial systems and racial issues hit in a, particularly sensitive spot for us just because we have two wonderful, beautiful, adopted African-American daughters um, and trying to raise them in this world and the reality of it and trying to do it in a Christian way. Uh, it, it, it forces uh, me to ask questions, frankly, that our black brothers and sisters uh, in Chicago and around the world uh, live in and have to answer all the time that sometimes uh, guys like you and me uh, that are white don't necessarily have to think about when you're raising kids. And so I, in some ways, it's a privilege of mine to get to step into that space in some small way and feel some of that emotion uh, in this last week and, and a little bit of a different level. You know, to be fair, I'm only mostly white. <laughs> Explain. My um, my dad is, well, he was adopted, so we don't actually know what his 
Your dad was adopted. I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dude, this is why uh, I know we're going to get around to it eventually, but this is why I'm so passionate about um, abortion and adoption and, and these kinds of issues is because uh, my best friend growing up was adopted and and he's probably listening he's probably listening to this podcast so my, my best friend growing up his name is micah he was adopted and his sister and my dad was adopted and my dad was adopted into a family of 10 kids all adopted wow many different ethnicities um you know families of origin uh-huh. um my grandparents my adoptive grandparents i only ever knew my grandma but she, and my, my grandpa died long before i was born but um but she was Swedish. He was Italian. That's where the name Setekase comes from, Setekase. But my dad's birth parents, as far as we know, I, I, I was always told growing up, he is half Italian and half Hispanic of some kind. Okay, now, I'm going to tell you something. I've got a Puerto Rican dear, dear brother named Hector. Hector Colon swears up and down that I am Puerto Rican. He says, he says, uh, now Hector, if you were to look at Hector, he looks pretty white. Okay. But he's, but he's Puerto Rican because Puerto Rican is not a, a color. Puerto Rican is, you know, an ethnicity. But he says that my voice and like my mannerisms, he says it's totally Puerto Rican. And I'll tell you what else. So it could be that that's where the Hispanic comes from. I'll tell you what else. My wife and I went to Sicily about 10 years ago, nine years ago. Wow. When we were in Sicily, every person on that island looks like my dad walking around. <laughs> I felt like I was on an island full of gym set of cases. That's so, funny. so it's like, you know, maybe instead of Italian, maybe my dad's actually, cause Italians are tall, straight black hair, you know, Sicilians are shorter, curly hair. I mean, and it, they look like my dad. So huh. I, I think if I were to put a stake in the ground right now, I would say I'm probably Sicilian, Puerto Rican, um, and my, um, on my mom's side, English, Scottish, a little bit of French sprinkled in there. I didn't do one of those, um, DNA tests because I'm worried about the government having my DNA. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's another I figure thing. you would be. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, so I'm only, if you look at my dad, you look at my dad, he's, he's brown, he's dark. So, so when people go, oh, you white people don't understand. I said, well, actually. <laughs> Actually, no, I'm going to stay out of this. Uh, yeah, this conversation. So, so, um, but you know what, dude? Uh, I kid, but the the topic we're talking about t today is really truly no laughing matter, and we're talking about racism, and mm -hmm. and people need to know what what does the Bible say about racism? But before we even talk about that, why why are we talking about racism? What what would you say? Why even bring this up? Yeah, so I mean, obviously, uh, the, the events of the last week, uh, week and a half, uh, have just set off a, a firestorm in, in our country, all across our country. And at the root of it is the death of George Floyd. Now, uh, three weeks ago, you and I did an episode on Ahmaud Arbery, um, where we talked at length about that. And so that would be a helpful resource for folks who want to kind of jump back and, and look at uh, Christian thoughts on justice and all those kind of things. Uh, we did a good, good talk there. Um, but what happened, obviously, uh, as anyone who's watching this live knows, um, when the video of the murder of George Floyd came out at the hands of uh, the police officers who were arresting him, uh, it, it was just a, a brutal video to watch and one that uh, set off a series of protests around the country. Uh, to basically say two things, and I think if I'm, you know, there's, there's a number of things that are being said in these protests, but uh, number one is that we stand against racism, right? And so we, we stand against racism, and that's a loud, clear amen. There's pretty, very few people would not stand, you know, with that claim. Right. And I think it's a wonderful thing when in the face of something as tragic as the death of George Floyd, which, by the way, was just caught on camera. I mean, there, there's plenty of other instances, and that's one of the reasons there's so much anger here right. and so much it's because there's just a long history of uh similar incidents that won't, were not caught on camera uh and so with something so in your face as a video of this it, it sparked outrage and so people across every race across uh you know all different political spectrums and differences are coming together and saying okay we stand against that 
And uh, the Christian wholeheartedly uh, says yes. Uh, that's a, and what we're going to get to today is we're going to get to how how that's actually rooted in Christian values. What the what the world is saying we stand for that's a Christian value, um, and not all worldviews can stake claim to that value. And then the, the second thing that's been happening is uh, I think the protests are standing against police brutality, uh, which of course uh, in the situations where there's uh, of course uh, police brutality. Uh, I think most people would stand against that as well, including good police who would say, yes, we don't we don't want to live in a world where police are unnecessarily brutal. And unfortunately, we do. There's a first, history where it's first, um, that can take place. Sorry to cut you off. Ray, but I, no, I, I, wanted to, I wanted to I, I fully agree with what you're saying. And um, I've, I've got, uh, you know, being up here on the northwest side, there's a lot of police officers, a lot of law enforcement officers live up this way. And I'm, I happen to be friends with a few of them. And um the the first reaction I saw from a police officer when um, the uh, the offending officer Chauvin when he was um, arrested and and going to be accused of you know murder when he was going to be tried for murder the first thing I saw was my buddy I won't say his name but a police officer he said he's going looks like he's going to be tried for murder good you know and 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 that's an example of a good cop looking at yeah. A, a horrific abuse and saying, good, yeah, we need to root that kind of stuff out because, you know, it discredits the good cops out there. It, yeah. it, it, and there's, there's, it's important for, for good police officers to, to speak out about that. Yeah. I it was tragic. I mean, there's no other way to put it. Uh, anyone who can watch that and not have their breath taken away uh, and not shed a tear and, and just be distraught over it. Um, you, you're, you're, you got to check your emotional synapses. Uh, it's, it was just hard to watch. It's hard to know that that takes place. It's hard to be, a, it, what's really hard, and, and Joel, you and I have gotten the privilege of being on this journey for a long time. As a student of this stuff, you know, I, I'm, I'm coming at this, some people have been dealing with this their whole lives, uh, whether because of the color of their skin or just because they've been very good students of this and stepping into it. Um, the more I learn on the on the history of this topic, the more of both racism and um, abuses and just realities that uh, minorities in America oftentimes have to live with. It just hurts. It, hurt, it hurts to know it's real. It hurts to know the prevalence of it. It hurts to know the stories that oftentimes we don't hear and that don't get shared. And so um, there's an emotional pain that our country's feeling right now. Yeah, and rightly so, man. When I first saw the video, just me personally, when I, I, I watched this video of, you know, police brutality, I didn't know what it was. I had I had no clue it was going to spark um, such a nationwide uh, uh, outburst. I didn't even know how the video was going to end. I just saw this video of this police officer with his knee on a man's right. neck. And I'm watching this and I'm watching people begging him to get off and accusing him of, you know, look, you're going to kill him. And I'm watching the guy pass out. And it's like, I'm watching this going, what the heck is this? This is, it, 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 it was, it was infuriating. And I'm like, well, you know, I watched it to the end again, not knowing how it was going to end. And then at the end of the video, they say, and the man in custody, uh, who I later found out his name was George Floyd, he died. Yeah. And, I, and, and dude, my blood started to boil as I'm watching yeah. this. Cause Mine's it's boiling like, now. You, you know, I, I, didn't, I didn't know I was watching a man dying. Right. I didn't know I was watching a man being killed. Right. And it's like, like, you know, you feel like you're watching a movie and all of a sudden you find out it has a horrible ending. And right. I hate, I hate sad endings. You know, probably like most people. And it's like, you know, it's it's enraging to see it, man. It's you understand why people want to protest in the streets. Now, the, the our topic for today, uh, we could there's so many things to discuss. We could sit here and honestly, we could just lament together for the next hour. And that is there's a good place for that. Uh, and frankly, I think uh, uh, if people haven't taken the time to do that, they need to. Uh, maybe they even need to pause before they go any further on this and take that time to do that. Um, I don't think that's our ultimate goal with today. I think uh, that's good and healthy and, and churches and people of faith especially need to take time to truly lament and reflect on this moment and feel it. Um, and particularly uh, those who are not black need to reach out to their black brothers and sisters and their black friends and connect with them and, and experience their heart and be in it with them like a good brother and sister in Christ. Uh, we need to sit there for a little bit. Today on this show, we, we kind of want to jump into one, into a couple kind of particulars. And Joel, I think you probably would do a good job of setting this up. Um, 
so can you walk us through a little bit? One of the points I made just a moment ago is, you know, the whole world, for the most part, obviously there's bad players, but the whole world recognizes that racism is a tremendous evil. I mean, very few people are going to sit up here and, and say, no, no, racism is good. We're all for it. Like, no. At, least, at least in the Western world. And I Western say that world. because you do see video coming out of uh, China in the last few months where um, the Chinese government was instruct, was spreading, reportedly, was spreading terrible rumors about black people, which primarily would be over there, would be people from Africa, right. saying that they were spreading COVID-19. And uh, you can see tragic video of black people being refused service at restaurants and, and things like that in China today. Right. So China's a very different culture than here. In the Western world, you're absolutely right. We're all in lockstep on this issue. And it's quite honestly, it's so good to see an issue of sin where we all agree. Right. This is actually wrong. Right. We all agree. There's no, there's no like debate like, no, no, I think racism is good. No, no, no. We all agree. We all agree. Now, and what, what I'd love you to set up is, I think our argument today, our worldview case is going to be that it's actually the Christian that is the one standing on solid, firm foundation to arrive at the conclusion that racism is wrong. And that other worldviews, though they claim that racism is wrong, are not able to provide the foundation to actually support that claim. Right. So, Joel, set us up for that. Dive into there a little bit for us. Right. So the first thing we have to realize is that we're all operating out of worldviews. A worldview is the pair of glasses that you have on that colors the entire uh, your your entire experience of the world. Uh, there's this this truth about the world that there are no uninterpreted facts. So, um, Rafe, uh, for, for for you know, you read a headline, you interpret it a certain way. I read a headline and I interpret it another way. That's not to say that truth is subjective. All it all it is to say is that whenever you're dealing with facts about the world, you're dealing with minds that are processing those facts, and we're going to look at them differently. And the way that you look at facts, the um, the way that you process the world around you is going to be based on those prior beliefs and assumptions that you take with you into your engagement about the world. So um, I, I can pick up a an, an apple off a tree. I can pick an apple off a tree. I can look at that apple and I can say, and I've used this example before when talking about worldview, um, I can look at that apple and I can say, this is an apple. Uh, I can recognize the, the chemical composition. I can understand how it grew from a flower, um, how the tree came from a seed in the ground. But I also understand there's a, a, a truth about this apple that it's a creation by God. It's actually created for me to eat, according to the book of Genesis. You know, God gave us permission to eat fruit, right? So I understand not only the what and the how, but the why behind that apple. An atheist looks at the apple and they say, not only is this apple, I can look at the chemical composition here, but the... Um, there is no why behind this apple. It's a product of time and chance acting on matter over millions of years. Just like I am, there's no deeper metaphysical meaning or teleological meaning behind the apple or myself. Now, we're both looking at the same apple, but he's got his worldview, I've got mine. And we interpret facts differently. So when we're talking about um, addressing a subject like racism from the Christian worldview, what we're saying is, how do those prior assumptions that Christians have which are derived from our source of um, truth. of truth. Thank you. Uh, how do we take those prior assumptions and apply them to an issue like racism, like ethnicity? So let's um, let's first of all define what racism is. And and here's my working definition of racism. I'm I'm happy to to discuss this with you. Or you can tell me if you like this. I'm defining racism as pride, prejudice, or partiality based on superficial, e.g for example, genetic or physical traits or tribal or ethnic identity. And so um, uh, if you look up race um, in the dictionary, race is um, it's actually rejected by ethnologists as a meaningful um, biological category. And the reason mm -hmm. why is because there are more differences between members of the of each purported racial group than there are between them. Right. So in other words, um, white people have more discrepancy between themselves than a white person would have with a black person in terms of biology and um, hard eth ethnic characteristics. But race is sort of a social category, a social construct, which we've, um, w which many in our society have sort of 
I mean, truly, Rafe, my understanding of the concept of race is that it goes back to, uh, uh, it, it actually has its roots in sort of this, uh, this system that wanted to identify people of African descent as other and less than, and, and to sort of separate the blacks from the whites. When mm -hmm. in reality, um, you go back far enough in history and there was no shared identity between a German and an English and an Italian and, and a, you know, like there was no white identity, but over time, this is sort of, people have sort of come to view each other based on the amount of melanin in their skin or the, the texture of their hair. And so now today we deal with this concept of race as a social construct. And now you're dealing with pride, prejudice, and partiality based on those external characteristics. And we call that pride, prejudice, and partiality racism. And right. so the question is, we would, we, we look at that, we look at that practice or that prejudice or that, that pride. And we say, well, that's wrong. Why is that wrong? Why, Why do we as Christians uh, condemn that? And, and are we consistent with our source of truth? And is there any other source of truth, any other worldview, any other system of looking at the world that consistently can condemn racism? Can atheism, Islam, Mormonism, secular humanism, uh, uh, Hinduism, can they rightly provide the kind of scaffolding necessary, the kind of worldview foundation necessary to condemn the sin of racism? And so that's the question at hand. What we need to do is we need to take a look at the biblical, we need to take a look at what's required to condemn racism. And then can the biblical worldview address racism, provide that basis? And, and, uh, is there a, a basis within the non-Christian worldviews to condemn racism? So do, what, do you, what do you think of that, that framing? Did I miss something? Yeah, well, I think that's helpful. I think the, not only do we have to look inside the, our own Christian Bible to understand uh, whether or not the Bible can support uh, what everyone's protesting for, that racism is bad, uh, but then we have to ask each other worldview to do the same thing and to be true to itself. You know, a, a good way to illustrate this, I had a wonderful um, evangelistic encounter in Chicago uh, just uh, probably a few months ago now. Really? And a young African-American kid, had to be 20 years old, um, and great conversation started off. And, and he basically, out of, the, out of the gates, said, you know, I'm, a, uh, I'm an atheist. And I said, well, walk me through, because there's different types of atheists in terms of what they believe. And uh, he basically, I, I got him to confess that really there are no moral absolutes uh, because he lives in an atheistic world. So according to his foundation, his wow. atheistic uh, moral framework, uh, there are no moral ab absolutes. Anything we create of morality is simply just uh, made up pillars that we're holding to, but they aren't really foundational truths that the world is built on. And so truth is relative. So I started pushing him on that. I said, you know, do you really believe that? I mean, you, you do you, here's an atheist who's rightly examining his worldview. And so when you're examining your worldview, you want to say, okay, is the way I'm living my life consistent with what my worldview says is, of, is true of the world? And if it's inconsistent, something has got to change. Either you need to change something about your belief system to match what you believe to be true about the world and how it's organized, or you need to admit that something's wrong with your worldview and you got to change it. So you get in this conversation and I say, look, there's some tremendous evils done and I'll just pick one. I'm, I said, and I, and I was very sensitive and, you know, this had taken a while to have this conversation. I said, look, in America, America has a nasty, nasty history of sin when it comes to race. We enslaved Africans, people from Africa, and we treated them terribly, man-stealing. I mean, this is... From a biblical worldview, it literally that's an abomination. That's a that's a capital punishment is to do something like that. And I said, but according to your worldview, are you able to see? Are you able to say that was wrong? And here was this young African American kid, and he looked at me. He said, No, it wasn't wrong. Oof. And I said, Now I don't believe you believe that. Right. I said, I believe that you really believe that it was wrong. Come on, tell me it was wrong. 
And here was the thing. He wanted to say so bad that it was wrong. I, I could see it in his eyes. It was like this struggle. He wanted to say, no, of course it was wrong. It's slavery. Are you kidding me? It was stealing people and selling them and killing them. Right. It's the worst thing you could ever possibly come up with. Yes, it was wrong, but he couldn't say it. He, 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 he didn't want to shift his worldview because he knew the outpouring of his worldview, an atheistic worldview, where there are no moral absolutes, is that you cannot define a moral absolute as right. a foundational truth. And so to say racism is wrong and slavery is wrong is a moral absolute that must be true everywhere. Yes. He, could, he knew he couldn't be inconsistent. Right. So he, and, he refused to change his worldview, so he ended up saying, oh, no, it was right and justified. Well, dude, good for you for pushing the antithesis there and taking him to that logical conclusion because, you know, he needed to see that. And we can only hope and pray that in that time, the Holy Spirit has continued to move in his heart, in his mind to say, look, I know it, you know, man stealing is wrong. And, and you brought it up perfectly. Uh, Exodus 21 16 says, um, Whoever steals a man and sells him, and anyone found in possession of him shall be put to death. It's capital so, punishment, which everyone is aware. It should be it should be a capital punishment. That's right, terrible. Right. And so so you, you read that and you go, Well, yeah, you know, that that's old covenant. And it's like, well, uh yes, that is the moral, that is the legal code for Israel, but it's also presenting God's uh God's righteous character, right? right. And 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 so now let's get into God's righteous character as he's revealed it in scripture and say, why is this sort of thing wrong? So what, what you've sort of laid out, Rafe, is we need a, an objective moral standard. Um, the question is, does the Bible provide a basis for objective morality, universal morality? And according to the Bible, within the biblical framework, what is moral is what is in accordance with God's righteous character and we know what's in accordance with his righteous character because he's revealed it to us in scripture, in his word. So I can take my Bible, I can open it up, I can read the Old Testament, I can read the New Testament, I can read the words of Jesus, I can read the words of Paul, I can compare them with the words of Moses and the prophets and David and the Psalms and the Proverbs and um, the writings of Solomon. And um, from Genesis through to Revelation, I what I find is a consistent, clear, um, worldview and moral framework that allows me to uh, not only not only does it lay out moral uh, doctrines of right and wrong, but it also reveals my own heart and where I failed and it provides grace and mercy through the person and work of Jesus Christ. So what does the Bible actually say about racism? Well, if racism is pride, prejudice and partiality based on superficial uh, characteristics, well, let's talk about pride. Proverbs 11.2 says, when pride comes, then comes disgrace. Proverbs 16.18 says, pride goes before destruction. Proverbs 29.23 says, one's pride will bring him low, but he who is lowly in spirit will obtain honor. And that's the Old Testament. What about the New Testament? James 4.6 says, but he gives more grace. Therefore, it says, God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. So pride is out. Pride's out. You dare not elevate yourself before God uh, and say, uh, look at me, I'm so great. And um, and there's another point I know you want to make about pride, which, uh, which you know, feel free, man. I know you I know you want to say it. Well, and, well and what, before I even say that, what I'd say is and the actual, the, the, the deeper root of uh, recognizing that all people, is recognizing that all people are made in the image of God. Oh, I, mean, I was going to get there. I was going to get there. I, yeah, I, you're I, right. Sorry, I, I no, stole no. your glory there. Go, You've got, no. And these verses are so oh, good. They're close. actually, what they're doing is they're highlighting and uh, drawing out application of the actual like deep level foundation. Where do Christians, if someone says, why is racism wrong? The Christian appeals to the scriptures and says, well, all people are made on the image of God. It will, all people or some people. No, all people are made in the image of God. That's our foundation. The word of God has stated it. God has spoken. And what that means is that every person is worthy of dignity, is worthy of respect, is worthy of uh, compassion. And you just, you kind of just go through the list. They have dignity and respect because why? They're image bearers of God. Humanity, 
made as the final kind of the pinnacle of all of creation in this special relationship, which they were made for to have with the Trinitarian God. That's our purpose. Every single human being that's alive carries the Imago Dei inside of them. And so to, to, uh, to let's just say you commit a sin against somebody, no matter what the crime is, if, if you murder somebody, you are murdering an image bearer of God, someone who was made by God for a very specific function to be in relationship with that God, ultimately through the person of Jesus Christ. So there's your foundation. That, that's literally, if, if someone says, why is racism wrong to a Christian? The Christian says, because all people are made in the image of God. That's our foundation. And now our worldview, our worldview, which is underneath, mm-hmm. is matching our ethic, yeah. right? Our yeah. ethic actually flows out of the worldview. And we can confidently claim and say, race, racism, as we understand racism based on that modern use of the terminology, is fundamentally wrong because it's an abuse of image bearers of God. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, someone, uh, my buddy Larry actually asked the question. He said, on a biblical worldview, is what we are seeing racism or tribalism? Does the Bible recognize race outside the human race? I want to give a quick disclaimer here. I've seen a meme being passed around that says one way of, um, expressing tacit or uh, implicit. There's another word. Uh, I don't know. It's basically like implicit racism is to say that all people are descended from the same race and basically what what some people are concerned about i think is that if we say all people are descended from the same race what we're actually trying to do is paper over the ethnic distinctions that make us beautiful that god has created and that's that's not what this is getting at um according to the bible we are all descended from adam and eve okay so we get this from genesis 127, male and female, he created them in his, in his image. Genesis 3.20, that said Eve would be the mother of all the living, meaning all the living human beings. And then again, in the account of Noah, that, um, all the, uh, all the generations to come since the flood of Noah are descended from Noah. So any way you slice it, where we are descended from a common progenitor, a common ancestor. Um, now, you, you get the same thing in the New Testament with Romans 17. The Apostle Paul is, is evangelizing the, um, the Athenians. And it's so brilliant, dude. And it's a great example, actually, of presuppositional apologetics, which we oh, can't yeah. get into right now. But he says, from one man, God created all the nations of earth, all the peoples, and appointed them in their p- particular time and place so that they might see, uh, possibly feel their way toward God. So ethnicity comes from God. It's a gift from God. All the nations go to Revelation. All the nations will eventually be reconciled together in the New Jerusalem, standing before the throne of God. And by the way, in heaven right now, the souls of the departed saints, they are not worried about what ethnicity they were on earth. They are united around the throne of God. So while we recognize the beauty and the distinction of ethnic um, uh, individuality and the different tribes, Biblically speaking, if we're going to use the term race, we have to recognize truly in the technical sense of race, there is only one race. That is not to paper over our ethnic distinctions that make us beautiful. Um, and the, here's, the, here's the beauty of that. There's one race, meaning we all have the same dignity. There's one race, which also means that we are all morally responsible for our sin. And the death of the Jewish man who lived 2,000 years ago is... Um, is able to function, Jesus is able to function as a kin, kinsman redeemer for all ethnicities. Mm. Jesus is related to all of us. He didn't just die for Jewish people. He didn't just die for Gentiles. He didn't just die for people with little melanin or much melanin or uh, any particular skin tone. He died for all ethnicities. This is why the Bible can say, God so loved the world. Right. Because Jesus died for members of all ethnicities. So biblically speaking, what are we talking about? Are we talking about tribalism? Are we talking about I I will use race racism as a shorthand because that's a, it's a term that the world uses. And I don't love that term because I do believe that there is only one race, but I always qualify it. At least I try to, and I try to say, here's what I'm talking about. We're talking about ethnic uh, actually, we're talking about superficial distinctions and attributes, which I don't recognize as being separate races, 
but um, the world uses this terminology. I'm okay with it as long as we submit that term to a biblical framework and understanding. Uh, what do you think? I'm kind of, I'm pretty much on the exact same page with you. I think the, the, you can make a very biblical strong argument of how the Bible uses the language of race in the biblical history of the world. And uh, the, and I think that's a fine uh, categorization to make um, that in the world we live in and in the, in the very important conversations we have on a day-to-day -day basis on the topic of how we treat people of different skin colors, um, because the term race is most is is what is 99% of the time used to have that conversation. It's helpful to be able to communicate in that language while recognizing the biblical framework that we're operating out of. So I appreciate the question. Um, and it's one, I know I've talked with you about this a couple of times before, uh, but I do think it's helpful to be able to use the term race as, as the world uses it in order to uh, point people back to the scriptures and develop a true way of navigating the conversation. Yeah, and what's really cool is that when you actually understand what the Bible teaches about race, that we are all descended from, see, th this, this is why, now, let's start to make a distinction here between the biblical worldview and, for example, a, um, an evolutionary worldview. Now, I know there are people who are Christians who believe in evolution, okay? But I'm going to lay my cards on the table and say that evolution, uh, uh, the, the uh, evolutionary theory, neo-Darwinianism, however you want to phrase it, is not in accordance with biblical teaching. Again, I'm laying my cards on the table because I think that's not what, what Genesis teaches. Here's the beauty of that. It means... But doesn't Genesis say that God made man out of the bones of other animals? Stop. What does it say? <laughs> is that what it says? We are created. Adam was created out of the dust of the earth. And dust of the earth. That's what yes. it was. Sorry. And he I was, was the mother of... Terms. Yeah, I know. It's a common mistake, man. I make it too all the time. Um, but, you know, the the uh, thankfully, all I have to do is open up my Bible, and it immediately refutes that. So... Uh, because my Bible tells me Eve is the mother of all the living, that mm -hmm. means me and my black brother, that means me and my Hispanic sister, that means me and my Asian uh, uh, uncle, you know what I'm saying? Uh -huh. we, are, we are literally, literally all family. And so the, about the dumbest thing that I could do, one of the dumbest things, would be to look at someone who has superficial differences to me and say, uh, I am better than you because of these superficial categories or you are better than me because of these superficial uh, distinctions. It's right. like we're literally family. Now, with, with that, we also recognize, I think the Christian worldview not only has a basis to recognize a, a foundation for establishing that racism is wrong, right? I think the Christian worldview in a league of its own, um, the, the Judeo-Christian worldview has the authority to make such a claim. The, the other thing we have a, a, an authority to claim from the Christian worldview is why it's such an issue. Let's go. Why do we live in a world that has this much brokenness? Why do we live in a world where we have to gather thousands of people to protest against racism? Well, the answer is, like, if we all agree, if everyone is basically saying, yeah, it's wrong, and yet we all agree, we're living in a world where it still exists, in some very overt ways and a lot of subliminal systemic ways and a lot of ways which nobody ever sees. Why is that world like this? Can, is, can anybody explain that to me? And the Christian says, wait, worldview check. I can explain that. I can explain why the world is as broken as it is. The reason it's as broken as it is is because of a thing called sin, where our relationship with God was broken when we chose sin. And that sent man into a downward spiral of depravity. And every bit of the ugliness of human heart has spilled out over centuries for one reason. We rebelled against God. And exactly. the pinnacle of all sins. Now think about this. Not only has man fallen, and now we're sinful, and we're full of pride, we're full of envy, we're full of lust. We're full. You go through all the, all the sins that bring brokenness into the world. Why is the world as bad as it is? Because you and I are in it, Joel. We're, we're fallen creatures. Amen. We bring a whole bunch of junk. And now you add to that, you add to that, the reality that there is an army of satanic demons that are waging war against the Imago Dei. You mean you are, believe in all that, that supernatural silly stuff, man, like demons, angels? You believe in well, all that? 
Am I building my worldview from this? Let's then go. Absolutely. That's am great. I building my worldview from my Am I building my worldview from this and then also doubling up my experience in the world that I live in as a pastor in Chicago right. that affirms everything I've experienced here? And so look what Ephesians 6.12 says. We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces in the heavenly places. And I think what that's saying is, I think when it talks about uh, rulers and authorities, I oftentimes, there's a number of ways to interpret that. Uh, one way is to think of those as essentially hierarchies of uh, demonic creatures. I actually think rulers and authorities is talking about rulers and authorities on the, in the on an earthly scale. You know that, that yeah that that's a good point because um, it, it also highlights the fact that um, uh, the spiritual and the physical are more related than we often realize. Intertwined. Yeah, it's saying it's saying we wrestle against rulers and authorities. Where's my verse here? and against the cosmic powers over this present darkness and spiritual forces of evil. Yeah. Meaning that oftentimes behind the human authorities and establishments and systems that are in place, which are already sin-filled, lies a cosmic present darkness and, and, and supernatural uh, evil forces that are inflaming and adding fuel to a fire that's already burning. Yeah. So, when the Christian looks out at the world and says, how did it get so bad? How can that level of evil exist? Oh, wait, I know. I know. I know the answer to that. I can explain that level of evil very clearly. It's on every page of the Bible. We understand why the world is that wicked. We have a full worldview. And we know the one answer to the hope. We're going to get there in just a little bit. Yeah. But I think that the fit, before we get to the, the hope, I think we need to go back just a moment and say, okay, other worldviews. Right. Can you explain right. why it's this bad? Dude. Can you explain atheism? Why you're you're not content with the way the world is right now? Well, Rafe, my atheist friends, which maybe maybe are watching, it's very possible that they're watching or listening later. And what I've been told by my atheist friends is that atheism entails nothing. Atheism is, atheism is merely a lack of belief in God, and. Uh, so to say, can atheism account for this? Um, now what I've said is I've pushed back, um, pretty consistently against that position because according to the Bible, everyone knows God. And so to say that you lack belief in God is to say you disbelieve in the God who has revealed himself to everyone, which is now a positive statement. And now you do have a medical metaphysical foundation for a worldview. And so I just wanted to raise that objection and hopefully put it to bed so we can continue because I know some of my atheist friends watching this are going to think, aha, he's misrepresenting our position. So no, that's fair. And maybe, maybe, it. maybe it'd be good to have an atheist defend themselves. I mean, I think we did that a, a few weeks ago, it. Yeah, which is great. But, but at the end of the day, from the atheistic worldview, we are, uh, you know, we're random species, pieces of space dust as <laughs> floating around in the cosmos. What is morality? Uh, it, it's nothing. It's nothing tangible. What is, what, what is anything? What is a feeling or an emotion that something should be different than it is? Isn't the world just random atoms spinning around the way they do? Who's to say it's spinning in a way that it shouldn't be spinning? And the atheist really ultimately has a problem when it comes to this exact question. If an atheist says, I'm not content with the way the world is, I want it to be better. You, are now, have, you now have drawn a standard of the way the world should be apart from the way the world already is. But according to the atheist worldview, the world is nothing more than just what it is. There is no standard to compare it against. Yeah. And so the, the fact, and literally you just quoted the verse that's really important there, the fact that the atheist cries out and says, no, but I long for it to be better than it is, is Romans 1. <laughs> it's God revealing to them in some ways that he exists, that there's a higher standard that they long for. That God's placed, according to Ecclesiastes, He's placed eternity in our hearts, mm -hmm. and, the, and all humans live with that. And the invisible attributes of God, namely His eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. What is God's divine nature like? Hmm. Well, God is perfectly good. So, right. so a sin like uh, racism, like like. Uh, superficially based pride, prejudice, or partiality is 
is something that goes against the character, the divine nature of God. Well, the, according to the Bible, God's divine nature is revealed in the things that have been made. Well, here's a couple of things that have been made, you and me. We There's, there's something within us right. that recognizes sin as sin. And to deny that, we've got to go in all kinds of mental gymnastics and, and backflips to evade the fact that sin is sin. Why? So we can continue practicing it. Because right. our hearts ultimately are evil apart from God's right. grace. And, uh, yeah. and, so, and we're, we're picking on atheism right now just because it's uh, a fun one to pick on. Huh. Kidding. I don't want to pick on anybody. I want to pick on the worldview. That's yeah. what I'm picking on, the worldview, not the yeah. person. Right, correct. Um, Amen. But, uh, you know, someone might say, well, what about other religions? Can't they provide a basis for this? Can't they provide a basis for um, that racism is wrong? And the answer is yes and no. Uh, when you go through the religions, you have to actually look at the foundation that they're built on and determine, does does it all line up? Uh, and the answer is not like it does in Christianity. You're not going to find this kind of foundation. Right. And and there, here's something we have to make very clear. We are all operating out of a worldview. There is no neutral standard we can all appeal to to say, well, as, um, as a Christian, I believe this. You know, you sometimes hear politicians say this. Uh, you know, as a Catholic, for example, I'm pro-life, but as a politician, as a public servant, I would never allow my private views to impact my public decision. In other words, there's this sort of common shared humanity we can all appeal to um, that's sort of neutral. And what we need what we need to see is that Jesus doesn't give us that option. He says, whoever's not with me is against me. Whoever does not gather with me scatters. There is no neutrality between the Christian worldview and the unbelieving worldview. There is no common ground for us to step into because who defines that common ground? And and even if you want to say, well, we're all human, we have that in common. Yes. Well, what does it mean to be human? As a Christian, I believe that means I'm made in the image of God. Do you believe that? If so, that's a Christian worldview. Does your Bible, does your source of truth say that? And so... What I think we need to make very clear, Rafe, and I promise I'm going to end this rant in just 10 seconds, is this. Christianity is not, we're not late to the party showing up and saying, oh, hey, we believe racism is bad too. We're, we've been standing here all along saying, we believe that, um, that this is a sin. And quite frankly, we are the only worldview that provides a basis for that. That's right. not a pride thing. That's because we hold up our Bible. We submit ourselves to the Bible and humble ourselves before God's word. We didn't invent it. Rather, it recreated us. Or I should say God used it to recreate us. So Christianity is not one of many unracist worldviews. Christianity is the only worldview that provides a basis for that kind of moral clarity and thinking. So right. it's not a popular view, but as Christians, we have to see that. Right. And you're, the question you need to ask when, when you want to, you know, this is when you want to get to people's worldviews, why do you believe the things you do? What is your justification for right. it? And, you know, in the, in the few minutes we have left, and I, I have to run a little short today, Joel, because uh, most of the grocery stores around our home have been looted and there's nothing left inside of them over the last three days. And so our cupboards are bare and we have to make a drive to a grocery store uh, to get food for dinner tonight. So I only have a few minutes left. And that's literally that's. I don't mean that by way of joke. Mm -hmm. uh, this is why this conversation is so important. This is the this is the today's world yes. uh, that we are in. That this is front and center, and and we want to say, we want to say as loud as everyone is yelling it. Racism is wrong because God Amen. said so in the scriptures. Amen. We are here as loud as anyone proclaiming that message. We we, we that is what we want people to know, and. The answer to the problem, I want to make sure everyone takes this away, from a Christian worldview, our hope is not in the state to solve the world's problem. Amen. That is not it. We are not Marxists who believe that the state, am I going to get myself in trouble? <laughs> no. Amen. Believe me, I got myself in trouble the first 30 we, we are, seconds. Of we are not our... Marxists who believe that uh, if we can just have a big enough state to create good enough good enough laws that somehow everyone's just going to suddenly start living in with a, a better virtue system. That's not the case. You have to change a man from the inside out, not from the top down, right? Amen. And the only way to change a man from the inside out is if they have a new heart given to them. John chapter three, you must be born again. 
And what happens is when you place your faith in the God who claimed that all people were made in the image of God, that Trinitarian God, when you receive Jesus Christ, the prophet Ezekiel says, you're given a new heart, a whole new heart. And you turn from your old way where you are a contributor into the problem. You, st you are not perfect yet. You, we will receive our glorified body one day when we get to heaven. But you're changed. And all of a sudden you go and your heart changes, your mind changes, and you begin to think like Christ and grow in that. And so if we want people to change, yes, fight for good. Of course, any, anywhere where someone is fighting for a just law somewhere, Christians can come alongside and argue for it and, and, yeah. and be there right alongside them. Yes and amen. And yet at the end of the day, the number one thing Christians want to have happen is for people to come into a saving faith relationship with Jesus Christ, where they get a new heart and they start treating people as their brother and sister in Christ out of that new heart. Yes. Until that happens, you can have all the laws and you're basically just pushing the, the wickedness around. You know, it's like you're, you're clamping down over here, but the wickedness pops up over here <laughs> and you push it. It's like, you know, you smash the hedgehog down here and then it pops up over here. The hedgehog? What kind, what kind of games did you play as a kid? That's what, what I want to know. What was that game? Whack-a-mole, whack-a-mole. Oh, it was a mole. It was a, mole. <laughs> yeah, a hedgehog could work too. And I want to make sure people hear that, is yeah. that the solution the Christians need to most make clear, and this is why right afterwards, Joel, when, when, when all the protests were taking place, I believe, yes, we need to have our voice heard. We also need to be out there sharing the love of Jesus Christ with people because Amen. people are asking these questions right now. Amen, dude. Amen. That's why we're making this video. To connect with the Think Institute, go to thethink.institute. Listen to our podcast on all the major podcast platforms. If you're already listening to this podcast, you already know that. Maybe you want to go check out the website, thethink.institute. Check us out on social media. We've got tons of resources, tons of videos. And uh, if you go to the website, we have courses on uh, in our course library to help you share the gospel with muslims to help you share the gospel with your friends and strike up spiritual conversations um set sometime appointments what's a sometime appointment check out the website and go find that out uh get more quality content from pastor rafe by going to rafechenery.com you can look at the banner if you're watching this on facebook it's right there at the bottom uh rafe i always enjoy this my brother i know you got to go get some groceries uh, you gotta sign off too god bless and until next time I hope it made you think.